And um, I can make a mindful choice about what I'm going to do in this situation and really be fully present. But it is pervasive, Keith, you're right. And it's not unique to healthcare. We see this behavior in our families. We see it in other industries. And um, it is a common mistake that leaders can make and just getting stuck in that vicious cycle of that mindset. What is polarity intelligence? And why is this new leadership competency essential to combat burnout and address the major challenges faced by today's healthcare leaders? Let's talk all about it with consultants, podcasters, and authors, Michelle Troset and Dr. Tracy Christofferson, right here on episode 444 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is always about you and your personal professional development, your nursing and healthcare career, and the healthcare system in the bigger picture. And I'm always here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride, and I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. If you'd like to help other people find the show, the ubiquitous request is for you to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Amazon or Spotify, or just share the show with anyone you choose to from the app where you happen to be listening, wherever that is. And you can consider becoming a patron at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. $2 a month is awesome. It really helps support the production and dissemination of the show. And if you pledge more, there are prizes and gifts from me to you to show my appreciation. But I appreciate anything you might want to contribute as a patron. I appreciate you all so much. Thanks for being here. The show notes will be at nursekeith.com in the drop-down menu marked podcasts, or they'll be on any app where you happen to be listening. So like I said, we're here again with Michelle Troset and Dr. Tracy Christofferson. They are from Missing Logic, a p- fellow podcast on the Health Podcast Network. And it's great to have you both here. And Tracy, I am going to direct the first question to you. What is Missing Logic and why have you chosen that term to represent your consultancy and your podcast and the work that you all do out there in the healthcare space? Oh yeah, that's such a great question. First of all, it's just, it's a pleasure to be here with you. So thank you for the invitation. And um, well, you know, we chose that name strategically because Michelle and I had been working with healthcare leaders and organizations for over 30 years. And uh, we were working with them to create healthy healing work cultures and interprofessional collaborative uh, environments. And one of the things that we saw was that leaders faced the same challenges over and over and over. (laughs) And they weren't unique to any one organization. We worked in organizations all across North America. So it was a common challenge. And when we left the corporate world in 2017, we thought, what is the greatest gift that we can offer to leaders And it was this fact that they were trying to solve unsolvable problems. And that is why they were facing these challenges over and over. And what was missing in their competencies and in their toolkit as a leader was polarity intelligence. And so we call that the missing logic in leadership. 
And so that was why we named our company Missing Logic. Very clear. All right. And Michelle, what's missing? Like, what are they missing? What's the thing that healthcare leaders need to know that perhaps they've just forgotten or they didn't really know and it's just a piece of their approach to their work lives that they just need to get connected with? Yeah, that's a great question. So they're really missing the combination of three critical components that comprise a polarity intelligent leader. Um, They're missing a polarity mindset and uh, they're missing um, healthy relationships and meaningful dialogue and how those work together. So just to kind of give some more context to you and your listeners, Keith, a polarity mindset is about recognizing when something is not a problem to solve, but it actually is an interdependent pair or values that may seem opposite or contradictory, but they need each other to achieve a greater purpose. So an example that Tracy and I like to give a lot of times, just as a metaphor, is breathing. So you need to inhale and you need to exhale to have life. And um, often if we're looking at some of the challenges um, that we face as leaders, we can maybe just look at the inhalation part of that equation and not realize there's another component. Um, And as leaders, we're really good at problem solving. We just go to one solution. If we just focus on this one thing, it will really help us in our leadership and what we want to achieve. Um, So that's a real critical component is having that ability to recognize the interdependent pairs that are around us all the time. And then um, it's also being able to engage in healthy relationships with each other so that we're really recognizing the significance of healthy relationships and why we need healthy relationships to actually leverage polarities. And then um, meaningful dialogue is another component that makes an a polarity intelligent leader. So we have to be able to ask the deeper questions to peel back the onion of the tensions and the challenges that we uh, deal with every day as leaders. And it's really those three components that um, make you competent as a polarity intelligent leader. Hmm. Okay. So when we look at your perspective paper that you sent me, which is great, and it can be downloaded from your website, Um, you go over the three biggest mistakes leaders make when they're trying to achieve work-life balance. So Tracy, what's, what's the first mistake? Like where, where do you start to break this down for people when you want to go to go deeper into this process? Yeah. So the first thing is the way they think about work-life balance. So Work-life balance actually represents a polarity. So what was Michelle was describing is this interdependent pair, right? In order to have the highest quality of life, we have to have the positive benefits of work and the positive benefits of home, right? Or our personal life and our professional life. And so what we tend to do is we tend to look at work-life balance and balance like 50-50, that it's equal, right? Because when we think about balance, what do we think about? A scale, right? That's, that's equally balanced on both sides. And so that's our context. That's the frame that we put around balance. And when we can't get it 50-50, we think it's not possible. And so what we have to recognize is that balance is dynamic, that it's fluid, that it's not meant to be 50-50, that there will always be times where some element of our life will draw more of our attention than the other. 
And so, you know, that is one of the elements. They look at it in that regard. And then, or they look at it um, in relationship to, you know, like work-life integration, which is just a mashup of everything. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, um, it's like a multitasking in your life, right? So I'm just going to bring my work and my home together and try to do them at the same time in some combination. But that doesn't honor the natural tension that sits between work and home. And polarities teach us that tension is necessary. We have to have tension in order to have movement. If we try to eliminate the tension, then we're gonna we're, we're not going to get the benefits of of both of those um, pot, those poles, what we call poles or values. Poles um, reflecting the polarity. Yes, and exactly. So on your perspective paper. It says the tension you feel between work and personal life is natural, always present, and always will be present, right? Yes. Yes. So if if it's always present, you can't like get rid of it. And nope. it's never going to be 50-50, maybe for a yep. moment, like it'll be 50-50 for us for a day. Split second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is that is that the broken strategy, which is the second part mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you're just approaching it from a way that really never was going to work in the first place? Well, the broken strategy is not having a strategy. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So when you understand that this tension is natural and it's always going to be there and you need to leverage it, mm -hmm. then you can create a strategy. When you understand it, you can create a strategy to keep that dynamic, that flow and that balance in a fluid way. Mm -hmm. What most people do is they just deal in the moment, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? So it can, becomes like a game of whack-a-mole. They're just pushing the tension down here. Then they push it down over here. Then they push it down over here. So it's like not really having a strategy to manage and leverage the tension can be a broken strategy. Okay. And Michelle, the it says that the third mistake is working from circumstance. What does that really mean? Well, that means that um, we're just always fa facing the problems in front of us. You know, it's always because of this or because of that, we become victims of our the tensions that we do experience in healthcare, both professionally and personally. And so we can't work from circumstances, right? We really need to get really clear on our vision of who we want to be as a, as a leader and um, kind of go inside and stay focused on the outcomes we desire. And so um, it's really taking those baby steps then towards the outcomes that we desire. And we're not always the victim of our circumstances. And that's why work-life balance is such a hard thing for leaders as well, because they just feel like, it's just always going to be this way. It's never going to change. And so we become victims of our circumstances. Mm -hmm. And that victimization, Michelle, is it kind of just pervasive in our society in general? Like I always hear people, everyone, everybody says, I'm so busy, you know, or, oh my God, you know, I hate that word. I try to never, ever use that word because it feels like it's just like, um, in some ways, it's used as an excuse in life. Oh, sorry, I missed your birthday. I'm just so busy, you know. And I, yes. and I feel like we can do that at work too, right? Is that yeah. part of it, Michelle? That we kind of feel like we're just we're overwhelmed. We always will be, and we're that does sound like 
a victimy kind of ap- approach or outlook, right? You're exactly right. In fact, we like to say busy is the badge of burnout. It's not oh. a badge of honor, right? Oh, I see. Uh, okay, and, like that. And you and you get stuck in a vicious cycle, right? You can't get out of it because those words just come out of your mouth automatically. And mm-hmm. um, so it's really being intentional about, you know, recognizing, no, I do have a choice. I do have agency. I can uh, make a different decision. Um, it's not about my circumstances. And um, I can make a mindful choice about what I'm going to do in this situation and really be fully present. But it is pervasive, Keith, you're right. And it's not unique to healthcare. We see this behavior in our families. We see it in other industries. And um, it is a common mistake that leaders can make and just getting stuck in that vicious cycle and that mindset. Okay. All right. And Tracy, um, why did you both choose leaders specifically? Like you could have worked with, you know, rank and file healthcare professionals, you know, boots on the ground. Why, why leaders specifically? Well, I think uh, there's a couple of reasons. One is that we've been leaders for a long time. We know what it's like to be a leader and try to leverage and manage all of these competing priorities and challenges. And so their uh, leaders are near and dear to our hearts. Uh, we've been through a lot of what they go through um, when it comes to being a leader and leading. But the other thing is when COVID hit, there was a lot of attention on the front line and rightfully so, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody was very concerned and we were as well. But what we saw was there was, a, there was an overemphasis of attention on the clinician. And we couldn't see much attention being given to the leaders. And we knew the leaders were just as burned out as the clinicians were before the pandemic. And with everything they were trying to shoulder, you know, we knew behind every clinician was a leader trying to hold them up and lift them up, but we couldn't see anybody holding or lifting up the leaders. Mm-hmm. So that's why we decided to really, you know, at the beginning of COVID to, to, to really put our emphasis on a leader because they're the linchpin in the organization. And if the leader isn't strong, the clinicians don't have a chance and the organization will fail over time. Uh So that's why we've really been focused on leaders and leaders in healthcare. That's great. And, you know, I've read, you know, that quote unquote, they say, or research says, or anecdotal evidence says that when people quit jobs, it's more often than not, because of their manager, their leader, their boss, administration, management with big quotes around it. You know, even if they leave because of staffing or they leave because of something along those lines, that the buck stops with the leadership. So if there's something wrong in the structure and architecture of a healthcare organization, or there's something wrong with the culture, then you have to, you, not to point fingers, but leaders yep. bear responsibility. So yeah. le- when leadership is weak, you're right. People are like, yeah. they yeah. feel like they're out on a limb by themselves, yeah. right? Well, they're architects of the culture. Yeah, architects of the culture, and, right. Mm-hmm. And when you think about polarities and you think like polarities are, appear to be contradictory, right? But they need each other. 
And um, what, what people react to or resist is another perspective, right? And so then, then you can be, organizations can operate from fear because I don't want to let go of my perspective. I value my perspective and the things I get from it. And if I can't see the benefits of your perspective, I'm going to resist it or there's going to be conflict, right? So then it creates this angst in the organization. So a leader who's polarity intelligent understands where there are interdependencies and can really foster an organization of meaningful conversation and dialogue and healthy relationships has an opportunity to really create and construct a very healthy and well-balanced culture in an organization. And so that was another reason why we kind of been moving towards that because we know how much it's needed. I see. Okay. And Michelle, who do you work with as consultants? Do you get called by large, small, medium-sized organizations? Do you do one-on-one, like a leader will call you and be like, oh, <laughs> I need your help? <laughs> who, who are the people or groups that you all tend to um, attract to you? Well, that's, uh, again, a great question. And I would say it's an and in both. We work with individuals. And we work with individual leaders, and Tracy and I have um, different coaching or mentoring programs. So we really attract leaders that are just, they know there's more, they don't know what it is. Oftentimes when they hear our podcast or they listen to Tracy and I talk, they're like, I always knew there was something more, or there was this and and both concept, but I never knew what to call it. And I never knew how to develop a strategy. Mm. So we have a program called the Thriving Resilient Unstoppable Mentorship Program for leaders that they can join individually. And, um, and then we do coaching and mentoring with them as well. But we also work with organizations and we, we work with all health professions, but we seem to attract uh, nurse leaders quite a bit. And there's a lot in the literature about how nurse leaders are burnt out and they really desire better work-life balance. And so we work with organizations and levels of leadership to really create and cultivate this polarity intelligent leader. And one of the beautiful things about understanding the components of polarity intelligence is that when you work with a group of leaders, they develop a common understanding and a common language about it. So they can be strong, you know, gain that competency themselves of being a polarity intelligent leader, but they're also within a group that now understands how these tensions and dynamics work and how to engage in, um, you know, uh, meaningful dialogue and foster great partnerships and relationships amongst the team. So there's a magic that happens when we work with groups of leaders as well. So we do both. I see. Okay. Speaking of leadership, when we come back from the break, I'd like to talk about both of your experiences as leaders and just a little bit about where you're coming from yourselves. And the podcast. We need to talk a little bit about that. We need to talk about your book that's being published in January of 2024 and some other things that'll come up. So please hang in there with us. We will be right back with the second half of episode 444 with Michelle Troset and Tracy Christofferson of the Missing Logic podcast.
And welcome back to the second half of the episode number 444. A very interesting number, by the way. We're here again with friends of the pod and my new friends and colleagues, Michelle Troset and Dr. Tracy Christofferson of the Missing Logic podcast. And Michelle and Tracy, this is great. And, you know, we do talk about nurses, work-life balance, and we talk about, you know, how to help our rank and file nurses who are boots on the ground, you know, getting their hands dirt, well, keeping their hands clean, we hope, but you know what I mean? Getting their hands dirty. And we do. <laughs> they do get dirty, but you have to wash oh, yeah. them. Yeah. Washing them is highly recommended. Yeah. Yeah. But use lotion. Also use lotion. Oh yeah. Uh, they get quite dry. Yeah, they get quite dry. So we're talking about leaders and the fact that you all target leaders, that that's your that's your niche. Those are the people who reach out to you. Those are the people you want to reach. So I have curious questions about your experience. So Michelle, tell us like, what's your leadership story and where have you led and and what are some, just one or two of the challenges you faced as a leader yourself? Well, my leadership story, um, well, first of all, my nursing story began with, um, I didn't even want to be a nurse. I had a high school counselor pull me out of a classroom and say, you've been invited to be part of this nursing co-op program. And literally I said, I don't want to be a nurse. <laughs> and I say, so when people ask me, how did you get into nursing? I say it was divine intervention. Yeah. Um, and then I was really blessed to have a wonderful mentor in my life. She also became a mentor of Tracy. She was a nurse, Bonnie Wasorek, and she was just very visionary. She had a vision for professional practice and creating healthy work cultures so I would say a big part of my leadership journey was just really learning through her and the relationships that she uh, created with a consortium of hospitals across North America and really began to lead that work. Mm -hmm. And then um, we partnered with um, technology companies and created, Tracy and I were part of the team that created the first pre-configured evidence-based interdisciplinary, we called it at the time, documentation. So mm -hmm. it seems like I always found myself in these leadership edges of things that had never been done before and we'll figure it out. We'll get it done. And that work grew for a number of years. But then uh, in 2017, I became the president of the National Academies of Practice, which I would say is another significant leadership role I held. It was a president of a national organization of uh, 14 different health professions. And one of the things that I really realized is I could see how all of the lessons I had from the past helped me serve me in that role. And it really helped to crystallize the work that Tracy and I are doing even more for me in that I was working with a you know, executive committee of different professions of an organization that really wanted to grow. And I recognized we all have to understand uh, how polarities work. We have to be in a strong relationship with each other, and we have to ask each other hard questions and uh, seek to understand and understand dialogue. So I brought what I had learned in the field and working with Tracy, and then the work that we were starting to embark on a missing logic to that group, and it's, it saw a tremendous transformation. And so... Um, that was a great leadership experience. I, I would say it even fueled our fire more and bringing this to more leaders because of, again, that common understanding, that common language that can happen when you understand uh, the significance of being polarity intelligent as a leader. Mm. And 
did you land in leadership positions because you had an MSN in leadership? You know, did you pursue education that pointed you in that direction? Um, I did go back to graduate school and I got my master's in nursing and I studied mm-hmm. nurse physician relationships. Hmm. So I have always had a collab- a love for relation like relationships is one of my poles, <laughs> as oh, Tracy will tell you. So I'm really uh, growing <laughs> in that pole. And uh, and then a lot of times, um, you know, I think one of the principles of healthy relationships is recognizing the human capacity or potential of people around you. And uh, Trace and I often ask leaders we work with how many how many of you are in leadership roles because someone saw the potential in you before you saw it in yourself, and I definitely can say that was my story. I often had people recognize you. Sh- have you thought about doing this, or you'd be really good at this even before I saw it? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I feel I feel like my leadership journey has been very much guided. I truly believe, and Tracy will tell you that we were put together for a reason. We're <laughs> we're now a, I, I think a dynamic um, force that is bringing um, a whole new way of thinking into the world of leadership. So that again, maybe it's just all divinely led. There you go. That's right. <laughs> Right from that guidance counselor. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. And Tracy, how about you? Did, did you pursue leadership education and land in leadership roles? Or did leadership also kind of come to you and then you kind of blossomed from there? Oh, I just forced my way right in there, Keith. Ah, <laughs> so I what see. you'll learn about Michelle and I is we are we are a walking polarity. So we are pretty much exact opposites in almost everything. We share mm-hmm. common values, but our our stories are uh, opposite. So I was a squeaky wheel. Mm-hmm. I was the voice. I was an advocate for everything that was wrong, wasn't working well. And so I was constantly bringing my voice. So I really came into leadership because I think they felt like they needed to have me on their side versus working against them. <laughs> Right. You're like, we so can't shut I, her up. We can't shut her up. So we might as well bring her in. That's work for, right. Bring her closer. Bring her closer. Which was really a blessing for me because I didn't see myself as a leader, uh, but I was leading. Like I was bringing the voice. I was I was striving to achieve and to move uh, things forward that I felt really could be. And I, I'm a respiratory therapist by profession. So um, a, a big part of that was, you know, just advocating for my peers and what I felt would really improve the culture of our department. And uh, so I held a number of different leadership positions um, within my respiratory department. And Michelle and I actually met at hospital orientation. Hmm. So we started at the hospital on the same day. We did the stand up and shake the hand of the person behind you. And that was me. And as we both progressed in leadership roles, we began to work together a lot of lot of interprofessional collaborative practice work in the hospital um, that we were in and then nationally across healthcare organizations all across North America. So ultimately, over time, I actually held a number of leadership positions without an advanced degree. Um, mostly because of my experiencing and my experiences and what I was leading. And, um, and then I went back to school to get my, I was only had an associate degree as a leader. I went back to school, got my bachelor's from there. I got my master's. And then in 22, I graduated with my PhD. So I have been in school for about the last 
13 years. Um, So, you know, it led me to go back to school. I didn't get the positions because of it, but I kept knowing there was more I needed to uncover. Mm. Um, And then I would say the other thing is um, in my leadership journey is because we worked for this visionary, this incredible leader, um, we were all very uh, purpose driven and focused on a very specific mission to create healthy healing work cultures across the globe. Mm. We worked hard. We worked really hard. We were very long days, very long weeks, <laughs> traveling all across the world. And um, I don't think it was a healthy thing for us to do. So I think we learned the hard way um, that, you know, what it what it takes um, out of you when you are overemphasizing that aspect of your life and the things that can result from that. And so we really um, we learned and uh, that that we can have a both and that we can have a very strong personal, you know, personal life and be dedicated and significant leaders on a global scale. Yeah, but it took us a while and it took us because we knew about polarities and we knew this was a polarity, but we weren't being vigilant <laughs> in mm-hmm. the application of it. So we learned the hard way, right? Why this is important. So that's why we're very passionate in bringing this to leaders that you can you can make a significant difference and have a very strong personal life. If you know how to leverage the tools and you understand how these tensions operate in your life. Right. Um, Yeah. So I think that that's, you know, that's probably a big part of it. And then now is really, I lead in our organization, our company, I hold a lot of the responsibility for the operations of our business. And so being an entrepreneur and and owning your own business is a whole nother leadership uh, journey. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to learn a whole new set of tools and skills and (laughs) abilities, you know, so. I'm sure you're really good at it. Um, yeah, I thanks, know, I try. <laughs> thanks for sharing those stories because it's yeah. good to know where you're coming from and what what fed your fire, you know, from that the, the onset and how you built it from there, right? And Michelle, I have a question for you that just popped into my mind. I'm thinking about female leaders specifically. Over the last years, I mean well, I mean, forever, but in recent years, there's been all these sort of like um, cultural memes that I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen, I don't know what else to call them, in in the culture of business and the corporate world, and just women and leadership in general. So, you know, we all, we hear these terms like, you know, go out there and slay it or crush it. Or we hear things like get out there and hustle. And then, then there's this been this whole, I don't know what to call it, a movement or a meme of like, be a boss nurse, like be a boss. Right. And to me, a lot of those feel like almost pop psychology. I don't know. I don't quite know how to characterize it. So what do you think about some of these cultural memes that are often, in my experience, really written towards women? Like the books you see in the airport, you know, 
<laughs> um, geared towards women <laughs> business travelers, and they're grabbing a book about, you know, like go out and crush it, you know. So, what do you think of that? What does that do to women who embrace those? Are they helpful? Are they hurtful? Oh, this is such a great question. Tracy and I are both going to have fun with this. <laughs> oh, good. It just, it just popped into my head. It was like a spur of the moment thing. Yeah, well, it was divinely guided. It it was divinely guided. (laughs) Okay, we have a few minutes, so tell me. All right, so really what you're describing. So there are tensions that always exist. There's polarities that always exist. And what you're describing ultimately is masculine, feminine energy, right? And we all have it. You have both, Keith. We have both. But a lot of times when people don't understand um, the the interdependency between those two energies, they go to what they what what they what they fear the most. And so to get what I want, I have to go from being this feminine energy. I'll just use this as an example or this way of being as a woman to like go slay it like a man, mm-hmm. right? So I can go over to the other pole. Mm-hmm. And that is that is the answer. That is gonna what's gonna make me successful. But there's gonna be over time a downside to that. And um, I can tell you firsthand. Tracy and I both our clinical background for your listeners is critical care. We we have worked with, with wonderful women trauma surgeons that didn't understand this polarity. So they go over and they know, God, I'm being a bitch right now, but it's the only way I know how to be (laughs) in this leadership role. And actually it really is an and and both. And um, to be, um, but that's why that's emergent from my, you know, from my my experience is if I am going to be successful as a leader, I have to go over all the way to this yang male energy to be successful. And it becomes a pop cultural thing. It becomes a message in our society. But there is a downside over time where we really need to recognize and honor both poles. Um, I can bring a feminine energy and be, you know, have good relationships and have those skills and also be very candid in my communication, speak for what I need and uh, make decisions, um, you know, in a way that honors both as well. So Tracy, I don't know how you would, but that's the first thing that came to my mind of why we're seeing that in our society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we, we've lived in the downs. We are in organizations that are driven mostly by masculine energy, order, mm-hmm. process, structure, right? Mm-hmm. Top down. Um, and female energy is more creative, more empathetic, more compassionate. And, um, and so we sit in the downside and so we think the answer sits in, well, we've got to be like the men are if we want to get anywhere. But to Michelle's point, we need the creativity. We need the relationships. We need the compassion, the empathy, all the things that are a part of feminine energy to have a strong, healthy culture. It can't all be about structure, order, and process. Mm-hmm. But that's what they know. That's what they're exposed to. And that's what... Um, leaders that are hold high masculine energy tend to respond to. So they think they have to be that. But what they really need to do is really strengthen the feminine energy and complement it with masculine energy. Mm-hmm. Don't go all the way to just masculine right. energy. Bring the value of what 
feminine energy can bring to the organization, help it become visible, demonstrate the positive outcomes and demonstrate how you won't get to that greater purpose without it. Hmm. Then you have a chance of helping people to understand and um, and to grasp that both are equally important, but we don't know that. People don't know. That's why we wrote our book. People don't know when they have a polarity and both are equally important and both are at play. And if we don't find the balance between them, and again, it's not 50-50, it's dynamic. Sometimes you need that masculine energy Mm -hmm. like we did in the pandemic to push us through, right? We had to have that to drive it. It had to be command and control, right? That's the only way we were going to get through. If it had all been the feminine energy, everything would have collapsed, right? But in this post world, we need both and we need the strength of both. And we just need to learn as leaders that that's what's going to get us to the outcomes that we want. Mm. And as female leaders, how we can bring more of it. Right. I'm so glad. Yeah, I'm so glad I asked the question. Of course, this isn't a podcast about feminism. And, you know, we could talk about fourth wave feminism and how, you know, women who are assertive get criticized for being assertive, but then if they're not assertive, then they get, you know, beaten down for being too soft, you know, so and yeah. women often get put in these positions where they feel like they can't even win. Right. So that's yeah. a whole nother conversation. Um, Cause you know, this isn't a show about, about that. Yeah. And that's a huge conversation yeah. in Pandora's box. And I don't know enough about it to really wax poetic about it, but you kind of, you all hit the head hit the nail on the head and the the book polarity intelligence the missing logic and leadership is coming out in january of 2024 though it can be pre-ordered soon and we're now in october of 2023 so michelle um what's the story with the book when is it actually being released and who's gonna want it other than everyone (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're so excited. The book, uh, when this podcast airs, will be available for pre-order on Amazon. So just go to Amazon.com. Just search for Polarity Intelligence. It's the first book that will pop up and uh, you can pre-order it. And we encourage everyone to do that. And then um, it will be available um, to be, you know, for you to receive on January 16th, 2024. And it will also be available on, you know, all major um, bookshelves around the world. Our publisher is Morgan James Publishing. They're a global publisher. Um, So we're super excited about that. And really the book, um, even though our roots are in healthcare, Mm -hmm. we intentionally wrote the book for all leaders, all industries. and. Tracy and I get asked frequently, do you guys work outside of healthcare? I mean, we'll be giving a keynote speech and someone will stand up in the audience and say, can you go talk to Congress? <laughs> I mean, these tensions are everywhere. And so when it came to writing the book, we really thought we want to write this in a way that if you're a teacher and you, you read it, if you're an entrepreneur and read it, if you own a small business and you read it, if you're in any type of a field and you read this, that you'll be able to understand um, the core components of polarity intelligence and why being aware and knowing these will really help you be a better leader 
Mm -hmm. Um, And then, so that's who the book is for. And then we also um, really give some great different case studies in the book and examples of why you need all of these different um, components, as well as uh, there's a chapter on how to measure uh, polarities as, uh, and the polarity intelligence as well. So that's another significant thing that is in the book. I see. Okay. And Tracy, so you all decided that this wasn't going to be healthcare centric and it wasn't just going to be for female leaders. It was going to be for leaders in any size organization. And it really applies to any industry, like from law enforcement to manufacturing yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. And you don't even have to be in a formal leadership role. You may mm-hmm. just want to lead. But one of the things we know is we can't solve, as Albert Einstein said, right? We can't solve the problems we created with the same thinking that we created them with. And uh, leaders, most leaders of people that want to lead or on a leadership trajectory know how to solve a problem. We all learned how to do that from the time we were infants all the way through school, right? You know how to solve problems, um, but you don't know how to recognize these polarities. And we are in um, these VUCA times, right? So things are volatile, they're uncertain, they're complex, they're ambiguous. And they're not just in organizations, it's in our communities, it's national, it's international. We have all of this polarization. And um, what happens is because we are fearful of the other perspective, we turn away from the conversations about it. We back up, we resist, right? We disengage. And it's having a significant impact on, on us, not only in our organizations and our families, in our communities. And um, now not every perspective is interdependent. There are some that are not interdependent and you don't need both and that's okay. But to recognize when two perspectives really are interdependent and be able to sit in the tension because they may seem like they're contradicting each other or they're opposite to each other and to really understand the other perspective That's what this book brings. It gives you a way to sit in that tension and to be okay with it, to understand that you don't have to give up your perspective to understand somebody else's and that you will be better off when you can do that. So it really brings a lot of hope. It helps to make what has been invisible, visible and concrete and actionable and okay. And to understand when we're resistant, why we're resistant, to understand when we're operating from fear and that we don't have to give up the things that we value to embrace something somebody else values, that there can actually be benefit to that. And that's what really, you know, lights our fire, fuels our energy around this book is because it's so needed. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you're leading. Um, it just it's going to be helpful. And it's written as kind of a beginner's guide with it's not real high theoretical. It's a lot of, you know, common applications. And we tried to make it as um, it's simplistic in its nature, but it's also complex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So we tried to take the simple approach, but bring out that it, it can be complex. And in complexity is transformation. And that's what we need in healthcare. That's what we need in our communities and in our world at large. So we're really excited about that. I love that. I love that. And, you know, I think there's nowhere, like someone said, why don't you talk to Congress? So I guess there's nowhere where this polarity thinking can't 
have an impact. And now your your podcast is really focused on healthcare, right? And it can be found on the Health Podcast Network. And who do you think listens? Because you have really awesome guests, Michelle. Um, do you are the listeners you hear from leaders in healthcare, or do you hear from you know rank and file clinicians as well? Uh, well, we, both. both. Uh, I would say both, but we do attract leaders mm-hmm. quite a bit, and actually. I would think so. With the book coming out, um, we are going to be making some changes on our podcast as well, because we do want to reach more leaders um, in the future. So by the time this comes out, it'll probably be on the heels of the announcement of the expansion of our podcast as well. So stay tuned. But you can still find us in the same ways that you have. but we we do we do want to expand the types of leaders that we have on our podcast. Again, like I mentioned earlier, we often get people saying to us, "Ben, everyone needs to hear this. It's not just healthcare specific." So we will be evolving and changing that as well. Great. Okay. So I'd love to talk to you all more, but we do have to wind down. Um, obviously. People can go to Amazon to find the book, Polarity Intelligence, The Missing Logic and Leadership. They can go to missinglogic.com. And then from there, they can find you on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the links will be in the show notes too. So people can find you. But missinglogic.com, I'm assuming is a good clearinghouse for everything, including the podcast and the book. So I have four quick questions that I ask all my guests at the end of the episode, and they have nothing to do with anything we've been talking about, really. And usually each question is a surprise for the guest because they don't hear me asking someone else the question, unless you've listened before to another episode. So you're each going to get to cheat and be able to plan your answer because you're going to listen to the other one answer the question first. <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And since there's two of you and we're running out of time, they'll have to be relatively succinct responses. Okay. So Michelle, okay. I'll start with you and Tracy can cheat by hearing the question in advance and she can be like, okay, what am I going to say to top Michelle? Okay. Um, <laughs> so the first question, Michelle, is how do you define success personally or professionally? I uh, define it as being personally aligned to who you truly are as a person, like to be authentically you. Lovely. Okay, great. And Tracy, you've had a few seconds to plan. So how do you define it? I think um, I would just say impact. Hmm. Yeah. I define it as just having the biggest impact that I can have on the most people that I can reach. Hmm. And that could be personal or professional. Yes. Yeah, doesn't matter, right? Nope. Okay. All right. And um, Michelle, now you get to cheat. I'm going to ask Tracy the second question first. Mm. Tracy, could you name or describe someone who's inspired you in the course of your life? They can be famous. They could be someone we've never heard of. They could be living or they could be passed on. Well, I am going to say, I'm going to say my grandmother. Hmm, Tell me. And, and I always felt like she was my hero because I think she lived a challenging life, yet she lived it with the greatest grace 
there ever was. And she was always open and receptive to everybody. And in fact, her favorite saying was, it takes all kinds to make up this world and we just need to accept them all. So I will say that. Very nice. A lot of people choose grandmother and mother in this particular, for this question. So how about you, Michelle? Well, I would say someone that always sticks out in my mind with this question is uh, Paula Underwood. And Paula Underwood was a very famous Native American leader. And um, she actually had a great impact on systems thinking in, in, the, in the leadership realm herself. Uh, and um, she was a master of telling her, her historical story of her people, which I think is really important to bring the past forward to inform the future. And also she wrote the book, Who Speaks for Wolf? So hmm. she's always the one too that is like, are we hearing from everyone? Are we really adding to the wisdom? And she was a master at dialogue. And so I just love Paula Underwood. Hmm. Nice. Thank you. I have to look her up. Okay. And Michelle, is there a book or a movie not necessarily an absolute favorite because that's too hard for most of us, but just a book or movie or something from the culture that's had an impact on the way you think, the way you live your life, the way you approach your work, your relationships, just something that holds a special place in your heart. We love movies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, uh, the first one that pops into my head is the moving sliding doors. Oh, with, yeah. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow? Yes. Yeah. And actually, we, we mentioned it in our book as well. And um, I just love that because it just goes to show you uh, the serendipity of life. And you could it could go one way if you make the train or it could go another way if you don't. And um, I think it's such a symbolic movie. So I love that movie. Mm -hmm. I remember that one. Yeah. How yeah. about you, Tracy? Well, I thought of that one, too. But I'm going to say Field of Dreams. Oh, Kevin and I Costner. will say that, yes, because it's about listening to your intuition and listening to your heart and following your dreams and the possibilities that exist when you do. Mm -hmm. Build it and they will come, right? That's right. Good yeah. old Kevin Costner. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and right. baseball. I love baseball. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, Tracy, if you were named queen of the world tomorrow, which means you have don't you know that Keith? oh right i forgot okay okay so when you were named queen of the world okay and you have absolute power what's what would be one of your first actions to improve the lives of your subjects what would you want to do first knowing oh, you could do easy. everything mm -hmm. i teach them polarity intelligence oh there you go all right and you, you'd give them each copy of your book signed i would definitely <laughs> signed yes Awesome. So teach them polarity intelligence so they can well, see. Well, I think because it's it's an essential skill. Every mm -hmm. every person, not just leaders, need it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what I would do. Nice. I would okay. Teach them how to be polarity you will need, need a book, polarity intelligence for children, obviously. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. There you go. Yes. That's next. Definitely. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay, Michelle. How about you? You're you're also co queen of the world. So what would happen? <laughs> Well, and Bill, obviously, I'd say the same thing Tracy did. Uh, but you know what I would do? I would I would create communities so that people could experience polarity intelligence together. We would go off to an exotic island and stay for a week and come back. A week? <laughs> <laughs> At a time. 
time, every group, including, oh, okay, okay. including the children. <laughs> awesome. Uh, no, I would just give them an experience so that mm-hmm. they can taste it. And um, rather, you know, so it's kind of building on what Tracy said as well. Mm-hmm. With a copy of the book in hand, of course. Of course. Yeah, of course. They'll be totally. in our movie. Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you both so much. This has been so wonderful. I encourage people to order the book, Polarity Intelligence, The Missing Logic and Leadership, in pre-order starting now in October of 2023. Mm -hmm. And it'll be out January 16th, 2024. Eight days Correct. after Elvis's birthday and David Bowie's birthday, just saying. So um, January 8th, um, good, good time of year. And yeah. they can also go to missinglogic.com if they want to just find everything, Michelle and Tracy, including the podcast and the book. So thank you both so much. This has been really, really fun. It has been. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nurse Keith Show. The show notes will be at nursekeith.com or on any app where you're listening. Remember, go to missinglogic.com and please consider ordering a copy of the book or get a copy for all the leaders in your life for Christmas because it's coming up really soon. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And if you need personalized holistic career coaching for your nursing and healthcare career, Check out nursekeith.com and nursekeith coaching. Mention the show and get 10% off your first coaching package. And if you want to become a patron at Patreon, feel free, P A T R E O N.com forward slash nursekeith. We are proud members of the Health Podcast Network, just like the Missing Logic Podcast, and they can be found at Health podcastnetwork.com we're adroitly produced by rob johnson of 520r podcasting thank you so much rob before we say goodbye i'll leave you with this quote by the musician robert fripp may my living honor my parents may my living repay the debt of my existence be well dig deep seek joy keep in touch this is nurse keith saying adios till next time from beautiful santa fe new mexico michelle Troset saying arrivederci from That's Sinville, Michigan. All right. And Tracy Christofferson saying adieu from? Boyne City, Michigan. All right. Thank you both so much. Thanks to everyone for listening. And we will catch you on the proverbial flip side. Mm -hmm.